Hello, America. We are back. But that ain't how we do things. Hold on. <clears throat> uh. <laughs> I'm wilding tonight. But here we go. Yes. <laughs> you are now listening to the sounds of sports reports is ordered. We got Mr. Logical. Two five. And this is a Rockies jersey, not a Yankees jersey. You know what I'm saying? Just had to get that out there. Tonight, it's all about the North. The AFC North. <laughs> Who's going to be the king of the North? Ben, I don't know if you all noticed, but we are two days away from college football. So me and Mr. Logical, we're going to give you our conference champion picks. We're going to give you our playoff picks. And then as always, you know, we're going to talk about something random that ain't have nothing to do with what we were talking about before. Because we want to show you our range. You know what I'm saying? We hit from long range like our name was Curry or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Mr. Logical, what's the word? Yo, it's just uh, like I said, this summer's coming to an end. School's starting back up. We got football starting back up. High school football starting this week. My son plays tomorrow night. Varsity is a freshman, so I'm excited about that. Shout out North Birth and Greyhounds. Uh, so we got a game here in South Jersey. Oh, yeah, I'm just excited, man. We got college football on Saturday. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to play his first preseason game in a few years this week. Guys getting traded, getting cut. So we'll, we'll get into all these in-depth talks. Yeah, you know, just want to appreciate everybody for being part of our, uh, you know, our, our our hobby, our lifestyle now. <clears throat> you know, for the last six Jersey. months, we were talking about that. Yeah, so it's, that's that's a big deal, man. We appreciate everybody reaching out. I want to shout out to Chris. I mean, he hits me up all the time. Mr. Bricado. Yo, he, yes. he, gave, he gave me a line. I, I told him I'm going to use it. I was like, I'm going to use it. I'm going to give you credit. So when it fits in, I'm going to use it. Like, I don't know if it really fits into what we were talking about tonight, but uh, he gave me a dope line. I'm like, yo, I'm going to use it. I'm going to give you credit, but it was dope. So, I'm gonna, you know, and, so. and I just want to let America know we got the new game. You know what I mean? Every time Mr. Logical says soft tissue energy, you, I mean, soft, soft tissue injury, you just go on and take a shot. Gotta take a shot, man. Gotta take and a it's shot. gonna be organic, like because I'm gonna say it because I I noticed I was saying it a lot early on when we were talking like towards like the like the playoff time we were talking about people yeah. missing out, and then it was the NBA playoffs were coming up and a lot of guys like the Ramp, Devin Booker, like right. Christopher kept, Emmanuel, Paul, you know. So it just was like it just felt organic. So I'm not gonna just say it like. 11 times just so you just you ain't here zooted <laughs> if, if, if it comes out in conversation man you know we'll make it happen for we'll sure, get your t-shirts sure. made if you take 100 shots for sure but yo real quick you know what i mean we're gonna start it off with get it off my chest mr logical is on bye week or something right now you know say maybe he'll bless us with something in a minute but i'm just we'll in a good see. group just in a good we'll group see. you never know something might pop in my head I got something to get off my chest. It's not necessarily negative, but it is something that pisses me off. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm sitting in here enjoying 2023, 
MLB playoffs coming up. NFL about to start. College football is here before we can blink. Basketball will be back. And I'm sitting up here reading these reports about a baseball stadium lease that's going to be up in 2029. And they sitting up here talking about the Chicago White Sox are potentially moving to Nashville. Nobody has said that. That is not conversations that are happening. That is that is not – we don't even know if Jerry Reinsdorf is going to be around in 2029 as the owner and all that good stuff like that. Who knows? But what I do know is Chicago White Sox from the south side. In case you haven't noticed, you are the Clippers. You are the Chargers. I was going to say the Mets, but I ain't going to go there. You know what I'm saying? Like, but if this was New England, you would be New Hampshire. <laughs> so, so you know, maybe getting away from Chicago could be good for the overall brand. Now, I know you never want to leave a big city. You know, I know you got the whole, what is it, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim or whatever they got going on out in Cali. So I understand. <laughs> so I understand if you don't want to give up that Chicago money. But it's not like you're earning it. So maybe you just need a fresh start. I just don't like the fact that in 2023, I'm reading an article about how your lease is up in 2029 and you're moving to Nashville. Like, can we get to 2026? Like, you just say college football realignment. You don't just get, we don't just get to make up these stories and have these announcements out here. Get some real sources, get some facts. Because I'm a blink, and you know what's going to happen? They're going to move to Montreal or something. You know what I'm saying? So, like, six years too early. 2029. They're already talking like about real this. Time. It's yeah, like people already... join the Air Force, talking about what they're going to do when they get out. I'm like, dog, you got four years left. Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> like, why do you just re-enlist it? But while we're at it, you know, if you're going to talk about that kind of thing, how about the Tampa Bay Rays? who stadium is up in 2027 and has actually had talks with Montreal and has had rumors that they're going to move to Montreal. So how about let's talk about them and we'll figure out the White Sox as it gets closer to that time. You know, people just talk and we need sports content and people just running with it. Like there was a report, we remember, there was a report a few weeks ago about the Brewers moving. You know yeah. Brewers ain't going nowhere. I believe it when I see it. I mean, like now, now that you mentioned it's something that we were we were talking about with the Stephen A. Smith and the the Stephon Diggs report, and now Alonzo Ball, and that Alonzo Ball <laughs> report. And my thing is, like, I get it. The whole mystique of a journalist is like, oh, my sources, my sources, my sources. Everybody want to be connected. Everybody want to be connected. Everybody want to have, you know, everybody want to be looped in and connected. But realistically, like, so all you people who like to share memes and stories and articles, if your source is an apprentice to the equipment manager and Phoenix has a game one night and Devin Booker's jersey isn't hung up in his locker and he goes to some sports reporter and says, hey, you know, Devin Booker's been kind of unhappy, and I just saw his jersey wasn't in the locker. That's technically a source. So some writer could come out and write a whole story about how 
Devin Booker is not happy about how many times he's not getting the ball because he'll do the stats and say, oh, Kevin Durant's getting this many shots. Bradley Bill's getting this many shots. And he can say, I had a source. Doesn't have to say who it was or what this person's information was. And people will just run with it. And it'll right. be all over our sports pages. Like, yo, just, you don't have to be first. Just be right. That's all right. I'm saying. So, like, it, it's, it seems to be more important these days to be first in lieu of being right. I'm like, I like to be right to a fault. Sometimes I'll badger you with my desire to be right and it can kind of rub you the wrong way. <laughs> I'll demand that if you're going to tell me I'm wrong, I want you to tell me why I'm wrong. I want you to give me facts. So I know I'm going to give you a little overwhelming with that. But if you're going to put a report out there, just be right. It's not like yeah. you're breaking a story about some major foreign war announcement. Like you're breaking a, a sports story. Like you can, you can double check it. Like your career is not going to be made off of Devin Booker not being happy in Phoenix, or so at least double check it or Lonzo you know, Ball not being then, in the town. And then honorable mention, you know, is the NBA finding James Harden for being a dumbass? Yeah, can you find like what's what's the what what criteria did they use? Like, like I said, I'm I'm a legal logical person. It's like, so do you not have First Amendment rights when you talk about like if he said his coach was a liar, like. Well, like I think the fine like, more or less is the fine for slander. Like you can't find me for. Well, it sounds like from what I was listening to, a couple of things that I was listening to, it sounds like the fine is more in line with the warning that Dame Lillard got, where it's like, "Hey, don't be making these trade demands public like this." So I think it was more so the part about I'm not going to play for an organization that he's a part of. I think that was the bigger part. But so what? He can say that. Yeah, so instead of getting thirty five point four million, just give him thirty five three. Like what? I don't know. It just it yeah. just seems it seems excessive. It seems like in in the, the day and age where you and I are having a conversation of a computer as we text on the phone, no one in America wants you to be able to communicate openly. Right. We have all these means, all these different apps. Like we just I just heard of this app five months ago. And we're using it. We've been communicating on it every week with well, all our fans, well, putting information on YouTube. But God forbid you say something that someone doesn't agree with. Well, deal with it. I mean, you could end up, you know, running your mouth could get you up on a RICO charge in a jail in Atlanta, right? <laughs> but he did the old-fashioned way. He was on a phone call that got recorded. <laughs> you know I'm saying he was. He did it like a G. You know, but, but yeah. I mean, so James Harden might get $900 million playing in Saudi Arabia, so who knows? I take it on this world. I take it. He ain't winning no NBA title. Why not? Come back and buy the Sixers. There you go. There you have it. So, ladies and gentlemen, AFC North time. So, you know, you know, we took you back through the NFC East. I believe both of us picked Philadelphia to win that division. You know, both of us picked Atlanta to win the South. I think we both picked Detroit to win the North. Yeah, I picked the green way too much. Well, no, I picked Seattle to win the West. You picked San Francisco. Yep. You know, uh, the other day, you know, I picked Tennessee to win the South, and you picked Jacksonville. And then, of course, we ended up agreeing on Kansas City because what kind I of person would pick world, Kansas City yeah. to win the division? Yeah. yeah. So you know, I think if you're we got a gambling some man. I put some money on Denver. Like if I you like you got... gamble, you like good odds. I bet on Denver, but realistically, Kansas City. Yeah, and if you want some odds tonight. Cleveland is your team. <laughs> but I don't think neither one of us are picking Cleveland to win the division. 
No, 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 no. Not so much. Not so much. So, like, I mean, if we start off, Cleveland, we'll start off with Cleveland. Cleveland, just for some reason, they've gone through multiple regime changes, quarterbacks. I mean, hell, they were an expansion team. They came, you know, that went to Baltimore and came back. And it's just, it seems like every every few years they just kind of revert back to this this discombobulated organization that doesn't make any sense it's like how how are the chiefs operating the chiefs weren't winning 11 12 games every year but i don't remember a year where or consecutive years where they were like one in 31 or any team being that bad like how are you able to select all the available players that any other team has, and you seem to collect all the players that only get you one win. It just doesn't make any sense. And it seems like every few years, and they get a good run, the Derek Anderson years with Braylon Edwards, that faded quickly. And then you had the Johnny Manziel hype, which didn't make any sense. You had the Brady Quinn hype before then, didn't make any sense. It just seems like they just make these moves as if they're being influenced by someone who doesn't know football. So now they got they have Deshaun Watson, but then they gave him the $230 million deal. He could have been suspended for like he could have been out of the league. All the information wasn't out. Like it was more information kind of matriculating in with these cases and these allegations. So it could have been a situation where somebody, you know, some woman came with real evidence, like, yo, he threatened me over text. Here it is. Boom. And they didn't even wait for that. Not only did they wait for that, they gave up draft capital and gave him $230 million guaranteed. And then he came back and he played, you know, he, you know, he got suspended for the first 10 weeks, came back, you know, week 11. So it just, it just, to me, they vote, they have good players. Miles Garrett had Jadevian Clowney on defense last year. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. It's like those four players are premier talents at their position. Denzel Ward on the outside, and it just feels like you guys have premier talent that other teams just flat out didn't have, and nothing about your performance on the field emulated that type of talent that you have. On top of the fact you have Deshaun Watson, who's you know people, many people view as one of the upper echelon talented quarterbacks in the league. And it's like the Jamie Collins trade. (laughs) It's like nothing that you did, just nothing that you did said, Oh, we have this kind of talent on our team. Like Nick Chubb should have had like 1,700 yards, and Kareem Hunt should have had 1,300. Like they should legit get 3,000 yards from that backfield. Just make it happen. And he was like, Nah, we're not going to do that. So no, just like I know 3,000 yards are being facetious. Like I don't want anybody to believe, but like they should legitimately have. Like they should have a powerful backfield to the point where Kareem Hunt doesn't want to leave or get traded every every single season. This could be, yeah, they could have been Fred Taylor and MJD, you know, at the very least, you know. And now Kareem Hunt's gone, so you know now you got Jerome Ford out of the University of Cincinnati. You know, uh, Nick Chubb might be a top three. You know, top, could be top one running back in the NFL. You know, so like that alone should have you in the mix, you know? So they finished seven and 10 last year, four and two once Deshaun Watson did play, which is crazy to me because he only completed 58% of his passes, you know, and in those six games he threw for 1,102 yards, seven touchdowns and five interceptions. So that obviously doesn't sound that great. 
But when you go back and look at it, they were three and eight while he was out. So even with the pedestrian numbers that he put up, if he would have played a couple of more games, they're bounce or two away from making the playoffs last year. Now, I think they I think they still finish in last place this year, you know, because I think the division is just that tough. You know, like unfortunately for the Browns, they don't get to play in the AFC South. You know, and so as I look around at this, I started thinking, how can Cleveland be better? What can they do? And what I came up with was, one, they went and got Zadarius Smith, so that'll help their defense out some. But as far as the offensive side of the ball and Deshaun Watson goes, I think you just got to ban the whole under center idea. Like, you know, he just doesn't seem comfortable under center. So I think you probably have to mix in some pistol in there. You know, you have to give them some more RPOs. You have to be able to get Chubb out on the edge slash using him as a receiver as well to make things easier for him. You know, I think that that's possible. The problem is, is that I looked at the schedule <laughs> and, <laughs> and just looking at weeks one through six, you know, they start with Cincinnati, go to Pittsburgh, play Tennessee, Baltimore, the bye week, and then they come out of the bye and go to San Francisco. That's asking a lot, you know, for a guy that only played six games last year and was shaking off rust. And I'm sure still has some form of rust left. Because if he was a wide receiver like, say, Calvin Ridley, I'm like, hey, run a few routes, get hit a few times. Maybe something jars you and you get back into your flow, like ride the bike. Get loose, like, oh, this is what it feels like. I'm in my groove now, or I am this good on the field, something like that. Right. As a quarterback, so much of your game is predicated on timing, people being in spots. Like, it's just rough to just turn it on and off like that. And that's where I think Cleveland gets in trouble. Well, I mean, their early stretch, Cincinnati, obviously Joe Burrow's calf is part of that. But that game, September 10th, so even that's still a few weeks, you know, about two and a half weeks. So if he if he's resting, maybe the contract situation, I'm not sure what the deadline is, but that is a, you know, with his extension. So at Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Baltimore. So at least they're on this in this time zone they don't have to travel far they get three or four four games at home maybe the dog pound rattles someone maybe lamar's rusty you know he's not coming out of his shell week four can he pick it with the gloves does he take a step forward does he take a step back yeah so you you have they have options to go they could they could end up three and two after those at the week six I, I can't see him being like worse than two and three. I I, I got to give them Pittsburgh and Tennessee. So they're two and one headed to Baltimore or Baltimore coming into town. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about pre-show is can they be better than Pittsburgh? You know, because just being better than Pittsburgh could have them in the playoff race. Because as I look around the AFC, you know, somebody's getting three teams in, 
You know, whether it's the AFC North, whether it's the East, or whether it's the West and Denver gets their stuff together. Like, somebody's getting three teams in. You know, so, like, but for you to put yourself in the best position, you might just have to be better than Pittsburgh. Because we look back last year, Pittsburgh went 9-8, and eight, you know, because Mike Tomlin doesn't do losing seasons. And they were in the playoff race, you know, to the very end and got eliminated the last Sunday of the season. So 9-8 and eight was good enough to potentially get Pittsburgh in. So, like, I don't think that Cleveland can't go 9-8. and eight. I don't think they will go 9-8, and eight, but I don't think they can't go 9-8. and eight. I think their schedule looks like it sets up for them to – I think they will probably end up third in the division. I, just based off the of schedules? Just based off the of schedule, and if you just – I mean, this is kind of like a rudimentary way to look at it. If you just simply look at quarterback, who has the least uh, – which quarterback is going to keep a defensive coordinator up at night out of the four quarterbacks in the division? Three of them will. One of them, the jury set up. Because even Deshaun Watson, at you know, with his down year, he still has tape that he is a good quarterback. He is an upper echelon quarterback, and he's a top quarterback. Yeah, he struggled last year, but I think he is still more of a threat at his position than Kenny Pickett. So I think if you just simply look at that, if you just rank the quarterbacks, you know, if you rank them one through four and you had Burrow one or Lamar one and Burrow two, I don't think anyone would put Pickett three, four or or three, two or one. So he's got to be four. So if you if you're looking at the teams and how much they rely on their quarterbacks. Then you would have to put Cleveland third just because at least third, you know, no worse than third. And their schedule really shapes out to where you got week seven, you're at Indianapolis, you're at Seattle, you got Arizona at home, and then you're at, you know, you have a a stretch where you're at Baltimore, you got Pittsburgh back at home, you're at Denver late, and then the Rams week 13, that stretch between week seven and week 13 you could, I could see them going like five and two in that stretch, realistically, with wins over. I give them, I give them three wins: Colts, Seattle, Arizona, Denver, and the Rams. So I mean, that, to, right there, there are like maybe seven or eight wins by that point by week thirteen. So. I think Cleveland has a shot, and if they if they consistently run the ball, if Stefanski goes back to how he essentially coached Baker Mayfield, because Baker had opportunities to make plays. People make it seem like he wasn't allowed to throw the ball. It's just that he would throw it like 31 times a game. He would go like mm-hmm. 18 for 31, 200 something yards. You give Deshaun Watson 31 throws because you're running the ball effectively. He might go 23 for 31. For nearly 300 yards because the play action, the bootleg, him on the edge, you got to bring a spy down. You got, you're going to have to shift a little differently. And he just he just seems to be able to make the bigger plays throughout his career. He make the big, deep play. Granny yeah, and that's kind of the problem. He, he has what I like to call Donovan McNabb syndrome, you know, where he just holds on to the ball 
waiting for that big play. So it invites a lot of sacks. It invites a lot of hits. But when it pays off, it pays off. Oh, you yeah. know, but you only get one or two of those a game, you know, consistently week to week. That could be 10 points. And you got to make um, it. I mean, yeah. Amari, you make Cooper, Amari Cooper on a deep post route, single high safety, and he gets across and you get that rollout. You just, if you and, time it right, you can make it happen. And that's the thing about his his athleticism, getting him on edge. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a big fan of running the quarterback, but if I can get him on the edge and he can scramble and, and get seven yards, the defense is going to have to adjust. You're going to simply have to adjust. And that's why rookie quarterbacks struggle so much in the NFL because the defense doesn't adjust to the quarterback. The offensive coordinator adjusts to the rookie quarterback against the defense. And that gives the defense up a hand. That's why all those years where Adrian Peterson had Christian Ponder and Ferris Jackson as his quarterback, and he was facing eight guys in the box, and he just was like juking out people. But once you get him, once you got him Brett Favre, he had plenty of space. Granted, they threw the ball 50 times a game after they got Brett Favre, but it was plenty of space because Brett Favre made the defense dictate and operate to his skill set. And I think Deshaun Watson has that capability, like more than Kenny Pickett. And just as much as Lamar and Joe Burrow, and and of course, you know Donovan Peoples Jones came out of his shell last year, so it looks like they may have a legit another legit receiver. You know, uh, they did bring in Jim Schwartz as the defensive coordinator, so maybe that'll shake some things up. You know, he's had success around the league. You know, so they could just have a different look in general. You know, so like I think they have some upside. I just think that the division is too tough. You know, whereas, like, uh, they are losing Kareem Hunt might come back to bite them, especially if Chubb gets hurt or misses some time. You know, they were fifth in rushing in the league last year. You know, they were fifth against the pass, so their defense was pretty good. You know, uh, they were uh, one of the top teams in the league, you know, stopping teams from scoring in the first quarter, so, like, not having to come back from behind a lot. So that's always half the battle right there. First quarter, take the big shot. Yep. Connect on it. Your defense holds. Yeah, you you, you can turn your team around. It just sometimes it's just Cleveland, and I'm not sure if they will keep it as simple as as you and I are kind of articulating now. Yeah, and and I but I was looking like, can the Steelers start four and one? You know, because as I'm looking at the Steelers, you know, looks like. Some order of Cleveland, Las Vegas, Houston, and Baltimore, you know, after their game with San Francisco to start off the season. And, you know, as we sit here today, I don't know how I'm going to feel game week, but as I sit here today, I think they could knock off San Francisco week one. You know, it's just going to be up to their offensive line, obviously, to keep Bosa and Warner out of Pickett's face. You know, yeah, but that's, that's a tough guess. I would, that, is, I would... that is a tough game. I'd go ahead and give them 0 and 1 on that one simply because, like I said, it's, 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 it's what I just said is that they're going to have eight dudes in the box. There's no reason for them not to. There's no right. reason. There's, there's, even with Pickens on the outside, he's a big target and he's a good wide receiver and, he, you know, he makes sp- spectacular catches. But is he, flu- is he AJ Brown on the outside? Is he, you know, old Julio? Is he one of these guys that's like, you match me up one on one. I'm De- DeAndre Hopkins. Like you match me up one on one with this corner right here. I'm gonna beat him every single time. 
and then Pickett gets the ball to him? Like, is he is he that dynamic of a wide receiver, or is he just a really good wide receiver that's big and athletic? You know, and that's the that's the difference. So, like I said, that that San Francisco game, I think that's tough, and they have back to back primetime games with you know you got the Monday Night Football against Cleveland. And then you have Sunday night football against at Vegas. And then this schedule eases up with Houston and Baltimore. So you said four and one. I was just saying it's a possibility. That's not my prediction. I'm just saying like, can they, can they, can they lose Cleveland or Baltimore? Yeah. And because you, because you know, those, those Ravens Steelers games always come down to the wire. You know, there's something, something about those division games. They yeah, just there, differently. There's always some fuckery, and then like you never know when Harbaugh's gonna go for two or go for a fourth down, or you know, because we remember that in Pittsburgh, you know, going for two and late lost that game. So, like, you know what I mean? So, so I don't know. Like, I think Pittsburgh is just hard to gauge because. There's that line because I know you're Mr. Logical, but there's that line of like they got Mike Tomlin, like you know what I mean? Like Mike Tomlin, like there's just shout that line. To, shout out to bad news, Duper News Virginia, Mike Tomlin's own. I mean William and Mary stand up, but you know, it's just it's just one of those things where like it's hard to gauge because my they blindness won't, they won't Tomlin. look bad, and that's right that's the thing that they and, it, won't and, and if they bad. do, they'll make you look bad. Yeah, they'll it, and that's the thing. So, like, <laughs> they, they won't they won't look bad as a team. It's just that third and eleven, late in the third, can pick it, keep the drive going, or do do that the punt and play defense all game long. You right. know, is it one of those games where it's like, can you make the throw? Because I'm not I'm not sure. First of all, I don't. That's it. I have no I you know no idea if really if he needed the gloves or not. But the gloves just for me. Just they they just kind of show like a vulnerability at the position where I need you to be one hundred percent confident. Well, he got them little hands. That's the thing. So like I I I can't like for instance like uh, who's talking about it? Uh, I think Julian Edelman was talking about it practice. They would give players who were like in concussion protocol either a red jersey or like a like something red for the helmet or a red jersey. And Bill Belichick walked up to one of like the starting linebackers and was like, take that damn jersey off. Because he wanted, granted, this is probably something he shouldn't have done, but he's like, I can't have you out here looking weak in his mind. You know, like, I mean, it's the bravado of football. Like, I can't have you out here looking vulnerable. Right, right. So, like. If you out here, you out here. You out here. So, if you out here, why you got the gloves on? If you're confident in your ability as an NFL quarterback, why you still need gloves? You know, okay. so, like, that that kind of, like, little stuff like that, does that get to them? Does someone say it to them when they sack them? Does it get to them? Does, you know, like, I mean, does if the equipment manager doesn't pack enough gloves or if it's raining, like, so all of that stuff I don't worry about with Patrick Mahomes' hands. I don't worry about that with Derek Carr and his hands. I don't worry about Lamar in the rain. Because he'll have the right cleats on, and that won't be like he won't come to the sidelines saying, I don't have the right cleats, or it won't be a report of him needing these type of Nike cleats and they ran out from the factory or whatever. It's just like having that, just like that, that vulnerability on display 
when you're a quarterback, you need gloves. You know, it just, it just I don't know, to right. me, it just, it just seems like something where that's going to be the thing that can potentially hold you back. And we t- we'll talk about the spreads. Most of these games, the spread's like three and a half points, two and a half, six and a half is considered a blow. That's one possession. Right. So, you know, so that, that's. Yeah, I don't that, know why, but when you. Pick it. I don't know why when you told your uh, Bill Belichick story, first thing that popped into my head was like, yo, this is Mike Tyson with the cannabis man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't even know where that, you know. But uh, but Pittsburgh, you know, like. Uh, so this is a stat, crazy stat, you know, because we talk about quarterback wins. Mike's, Mike's a stat guy. Mike's a stat and guy. I, and, I, and I hate the quarterback wins. Jimmy Garoppolo is like top but, six all time in quarterback win yeah, percentage. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo got that jacket in Canton waiting for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, already made. But uh, so TJ Watt, you know, he's been injured a lot over the years, you know, just like his brother, you know. And when he plays, Pittsburgh is 53-24 with two ties. When he doesn't play, much smaller sample size, but when he doesn't play, they're one in ten. Like that was just odd to me. Like you know, for that's substantial. That's what I'm saying. It was just odd. So I had to say that stat. Like once I saw that, I had to throw that Maybe out there. He just he just shuts. He he's like because he plays on the edge. He just shuts down plays to that side like a mm-hmm. like a shutdown corner. And, and I don't like, know why Pittsburgh. Speaking of shutdown corners, see, I like how you always do that. We always like transition, and I didn't even know what I was about to say. But but yeah, like why Pittsburgh always going after these old ass DBs? Like you know, remember like a few years ago, it was Joe Hayden, and you know now they went out and got Patrick Peterson, you know who's still good, but he's old now, and that step, like when he loses a step, he's at that point where it's going to be overnight. Like it's not going to be. He got burnt one time, and then it happened four games later. Like he's in that window where it's just going to fall apart. Now he's just going to just drop deeper into his coverage, you know, or or you it know, just and, won't be, it won't be a lot of press. It won't be a lot of press man to man with a old wide receiver. Like Richard Sherman talked about when um the Devontae Smith ran a route on him, and he was like, "I went one way, and my hip felt." <laughs> My hip just up, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, it's time for me to retire." He said, "He said, I, he's like, as soon as it happened, he was like, nah, I'm done.'" Yeah. So, so another concern that I have, you know, you brought up Kenny Pickett, and more so, you brought up like being able to get out the pocket and all that good stuff. So, in the 13 games that he played last year, he was sacked 27 times. So that goes back to the Pittsburgh offensive line that I was talking about. And that goes back. also quarter a quarter, and quarter it could be a rookie thing. A half, like, listen, you got you got two and a half seconds, not to make a decision. You got two and a half section seconds to for action. Get it out of there. Like at second, like soon as it gets to two point six seconds, fire the you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah, like you you that ball has to be ready to be gone. Like your arm needs to be boom boom. Like and you can't you can't re you can't reload often like you can't reload a lot in one game and pittsburgh falls into that denver category you know we talk about if they averaged x amount of points this might have been their record or whatever you know pittsburgh was 26th in points per game last year and they went nine and eight so you know if they were 21st in points per game maybe you know they're 11 like, and six yeah they're 11 and six so Easy. the margins so that's why this division is so tough because 
I think we have a tier of the top two teams, but I don't think the bottom two teams are as far off as you would think. The top two teams just have those dudes at the quarterback position. Yeah, it's now, not New Orleans and Atlanta and then Carolina, Tampa Bay. Right. Like, as far as everyone's projections, the projections. Right, right. And, you know, two teams having four wins in the division. And, and you know, and I, and I want Pittsburgh to know I want Pittsburgh to know that I hate them because I wanted Joey Porter Jr. But um, you know, but then, you know, I guess we'll go over to my pick because my pick is the Ravens. You know, and it's not a Baltimore thing. I know I'm from there, but you know, I'm not a Ravens fan. Um, I just think that with Lamar back, the one thing that they were missing was being dynamic on the outside. So, you know, no matter who they put back there, whether it was J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, you know, uh, Kenyon Drake, whoever they put back in the backfield was effective. And then when you have Lamar Jackson back there, that just adds an extra level of effectiveness because the defense is obviously watching him. So, but on the outside, you know, they drafted Rashad Bateman, who I liked in college, but he's been injured a lot. You know, Hollywood Brown, you know, had the Butterfingers disease. So now they went and got Zay Flowers in the draft, who I like a lot, who will get up in the slot, have that. I think he'll be better than like Dante Hall, but he has that Dante Hall element that he'll bring to the offense. And if Odell, we just, we don't know because we haven't seen Odell for a long time. I imagine Odell is still fast. I don't know if he's, if he can still separate the way that he used to with all the injuries that he's had. But I think that he's obviously the best threat that they've had since they've had Lamar Jackson. You gotta, yeah, you got to respect them. And, and, and when it comes down to this, I always tell people, you know, these things come down to what you're asking from other players. So, for example, you know, when we look at the Clippers, for example, you know, if you just want Paul George to lead your team, you might run into some trouble. But if I say, hey, Paul George, I got Kawhi over here. Paul George doesn't necessarily have to do as much for you to be successful. So with Rashad Bateman, when they drafted him, I think that they drafted him with the intention of you're our number one receiver. And he's been injured, but maybe he's not a number one receiver. But now you have Odell Beckham, who is and has been a number one receiver. And now he falls down the rung a little bit. So he doesn't have to provide as much for your offense to be as successful. They went and got Roquan Smith last year on the defense. I know they lost Calais Campbell, you know, and they lost Marcus Peters, you know, but Roquan Smith had an impact on their defense last year where coming into the last, before they got him, uh, their, their defense was just all over the place. It didn't look like the Ravens standard that we were used to. But when he came in there, it changed. They only gave up 18 points per game. So, so I think that their defense is good enough that if they got into a shootout with, say, Cincinnati or Kansas City, because I go back to that playoff game, and they win the playoff game in Cincinnati last year if Tyler Huntley Pro doesn't have Tyler Huntley. There you go. If he doesn't, if he doesn't have, if he doesn't have the brain fart of the century, then you know the Ravens probably walk out of that stadium with a playoff win without Lamar Jackson. So, I like your point about Lamar having to shake off rust. But I just think that when you're at his level, 
and you can do the things that he does with his legs, it's not necessarily the same as Deshaun Watson, who is elusive, but doesn't necessarily rely on his legs as much. Yeah, from a couple of interviews that I've seen of Lamar, you know, sideline interviews and just, you know, reading little pieces, he is really excited about potentially throwing the ball more with the new offensive ideology that they have in Baltimore. Yeah, getting rid of Greg Roman Roman is worth a win within itself. I don't – I just – it wasn't Greg Roman. It was the fact that – because, like, Calvin Johnson, we talked about this the other day. He went to Georgia Tech, and they ran the ball a lot, the wishbone option and stuff like that. If you just get one top flight wide receiver, then you just have to throw it to him. Hollywood Brown just wasn't a reliable wide receiver. Yeah, he was a deep threat because of his speed, but he would he couldn't run. He didn't run any dig routes. He didn't run any like, drag routes. He wasn't like a volume receiver. So they put themselves behind the eight ball by trying to have him as their number one. It's like you should have had a bigger target because if you have a guy, if you feel Lamar is not a great throw of the be- excuse me of the football. You get him big targets. Hence why he kept throwing at the tight end. Well, go get him a big wide receiver. They were available. I don't know what offers they were making. I don't know if they were offering guys 12 million while other teams were offering 16. It was like, listen, we'll give you 14 to play with the unanimous MVP. You know, just something to, instead of just kind of being so concerned with left leverage, get get a target, get a big target for your wide receiver. So I think now Odell Beckham being there gives him an opportunity to throw the ball. I just don't want them to go completely away from the smash mouth, you know, structure that Baltimore is right. known for. Right. But I think they will. I think the money that they paid him is going to be a lot of, you know, pressure for him and the team to justify the check by putting up these Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen. MVP, Aaron Rodgers, 40 touchdowns. Well, I think there's also a certain evolution there as well, whereas teams aren't going to be able – with Odell out there, if he can perform, you know, teams aren't going to be able to stack the box. Or like – so when you get deeper into the season, closer to the playoffs, in the playoffs, I think that just – we get the answer to the question. Can Lamar make the throw? Can he make the play? You know, all that stuff, the hyperbole, you know, I think – we're in a position to find out now, you know, whether whether he can do that or not. And I think he can. He's just got to stay healthy. That's 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 play number one is Lamar has to be on the field. This is this is probably the best year for the AFC North as far as their schedule because it is soft. Well, I'm glad <laughs> you brought that AFC up. South, they get the AFC South and they get the NFC West. And then looks like Baltimore was a Second place, they got a second place schedule. Well, 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 look at those. Look at look at weeks nine through twelve over there. Yeah, I'm not worried about that. You I don't know. think the I don't think the Chargers. I I like the Chargers. I just don't think that they have enough faith, and I don't know if they have enough faith in whatever their system is to believe in it. In well, I don't three. think they have a system. I just think they say they did. They just go, hey, Justin, do what you got to do. Shoulder cannon. You know, that's so, the play. <laughs> obviously, the Bengals, like the, the two division games, but they get they get them to get too early 
and then they get a stretch of or they get three early before week six. So week six through week six through nine, Tennessee, Detroit, Arizona, Seattle. I can see them winning all four of those games. And then you get the Browns again, Bengals, get the Chargers. So I just I just feel like they have a favorable, just the whole division has a favorable schedule. So this is I think this is a year that Deshaun Watts can get on track because they're gonna get about they're gonna get like four cupcake games out of those two yeah. out, out of the AFC South and the NFC West. They're gonna get four games that it's like walking into the building, you're up seven zero off the rip. <laughs> like just off the rip, you're up seven zero. So like those kind of games. And then maybe you look at like the Dolphins Steelers at the end of the year, maybe the 49ers are all wrapped up because their divisions, whatever, and they they play Sam Darnold week 16. You know, just little, little things like that I think will help this division because it's in the like it's, like I said, it's pretty favorable for yeah. teams like Baltimore who have like you know a definitive identity. Well, Baltimore how they was, operate. Baltimore was third in rushing last year. You know, they were third in points given up and third against the run. But the problem is you can be third against the run when you end up 23rd against the pass. <laughs> so that's a little misleading there. You know what I mean? Something's got to give, yeah. Something's got to give. But uh, but Baltimore, Cleveland, and Cincinnati were all top five in defensive first quarter points per game. So, you know, I mentioned that about Cleveland earlier, but Cincinnati and Baltimore were also top five in limiting teams from scoring in the first quarter. You know, now Cincinnati, on the other hand, who has the first place schedule, you know, but the way that it breaks isn't necessarily the worst either. You know, so like they got they got some two game windows in there, you know, like eleven and twelve. You know, Baltimore at Baltimore and Pittsburgh and at home against Pittsburgh, sixteen and seventeen at Pittsburgh and at Kansas City. They always get Kansas City late in the season, and I feel like they always play them in Kansas City for some reason. That's you know, you, you would think. Well, I guess the NFL is looking like, oh, we need, we need to own the holiday season in between the basketball. So yeah, and we're really gonna cool. give you Manning and Brady, you know, and you know, but I do think Cincinnati should start five and zero. They they realistically could start. I mean, like I said, you got two division games back to back. If they start two and zero, then I think they. I think it just the NFL is tough to to win that many games. Room, I don't really think it happens that often because we're predicting a lot of games. Because what was it? Who was like? I remember Arizona was seven and zero a couple years ago. That they kind of came back to the mean as you like. Well, yeah, because you have to because you have to factor in the Kansas City well. lost. Yeah, Kansas City lost to Indianapolis early. We probably were looking at them to be six or seven and zero well, when you look at their preseason schedule. Well, see, that's where college football is a little different because, like, if you're a team like say Alabama, you don't you know, leave. You, you don't you, leave your zip your code. region. Yeah, like you play Vanderbilt, you know, in Nashville, then you come back and play like Kentucky. You know what I mean? Then you go to the volunteers over in Knoxville and you come back home for LSU and then you go to Arkansas. Like, so you're just, and, and general, you're taking right? a plane. Like you could take a bus there and still not, it wouldn't be. Right. Where's like charter jet. And you're, you're just getting in town. 
Where, whereas, like, when we were talking about uh, Baltimore, you know, they play that game at home against Cincinnati and then go to L.A. to play the Chargers. So, you know, so it's not that the Chargers are just so much better or whatever the case may be. It's that you're putting that travel on top of a division, a physical division game, and now you're going out to L.A., different time zones, all that kind of stuff like that. You just don't know. Like, so, so like, yeah, that's a tough stretch because I'm just looking at it right now. They play Sunday Cleveland. Well, they get Cleveland at home. Excuse me. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Then they play the Bengals on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. So even, so you're looking at the travel from Baltimore to LA where they get a little break for that piece, but it's still a travel but they're playing on a short week back-to-back division games. It's like it's not something you really want to do. Right. And that's what I'm saying. So those are the factors that, you yeah. know, when you're looking at the NFL, it's not as easy as just this team is better than this team, so therefore they should win. And that's how you end up with things like, you know, Philly lose or Kansas City losing to – Indianapolis or somebody like you and know, Washington who, coming up and beating Philly. Yeah, who did you play the week before? Who did they play the week before? Who did you was play that game? next week? Like, do you are you playing Dallas next week? And did you overlook Washington? Are you right playing another team that's six and one? And you're six and one, and you want to make sure you stay in the number one position for the NFC? And you yeah, because these dudes are professionals. Like so, like, even if you're against a team like say you play Kansas City, they have Patrick Mahomes, obviously. You know what I mean? Like you still could have a defensive player that's close to Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? You might not have, have a picked him off three times last year. Yeah, the same guy picked him off twice. Yeah, so so like the NFL just works out that way. The talent is more evenly distributed. This this you know distributed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Spurs. yeah. First, uh, but, but Baltimore also. I like Baltimore. You know, they moved Kyle Hamilton into the slot, and I think that helped out towards the end of last year as well. Uh, losing Marcus Peters might be a big deal. We'll we'll see how that plays out. But with Cincinnati, you know, they yeah, kept talent Joe, and attitude. Yeah, they kept Joe Mixon. You know, they got Orlando Brown from Kansas City on the offensive line. You know, which would theoretically hurt Kansas City potentially. But they lost Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell. And that's where I don't feel so good about Cincinnati's defense. Uh, but I will tell you, Jermaine Pratt, the linebacker, that guy is everywhere. Like, he might not be Ray Lewis or something along those lines, but this guy is everywhere. I remember I went to uh, the game at Mile High. They played it against Denver. You know, I don't even know what they call it no more, in Power Field at Mile High or something like that. You it's know, but it's not Invesco anymore. It's, it's one of them. It's something. You know, it was Sports Authority. I think when I went, you know, but they they played, and that guy was just all over the field. Every time you heard the PA announcer, tackle by Jermaine Pratt, tackle by Jermaine Pratt. So, so is this his chance now? Without Bates and without Bell, there is this his defense now to just take over? And then they got the one guy I can't say his name, so I'm not even going to try to. You know, the African name. I'm not even gonna try it. But but you know, so Cincinnati still has defenders. I just think they might have lost too much on the back end. Yeah, but it's I, I think when you lose a, lose players in trades and free agency, or you know, you just cut them and then you move a guy in the position in March, 
it's probably easier to adjust than if you lose a guy in season. Right, they, right, they, right. They have the time. They understand the scheme. If they were with the team the year before, they've seen it play out. They've been in the film room with Bates. You know, they've been in the film room with the defensive coordinator. They understand the concept and the scheme. And like you say, you have a, a linebacker that's making plays and just kind of the quarterback of the defense, so to speak, getting people in position. So long as you long as you're locked in solidly in certain positions, you're good up front with your defensive tackle play. Um, you know, you got a Hubbard as a defensive lineman. So and like I said, they're confident and they and they're confident in the fact that the offense can get them points as well. Right. So, and, and they also went six and one at home last year. You know, of course, the good Buffalo at home. Game, the Buffalo yeah, game didn't finish. So, you know, six count, and yeah. one. Yeah. Six and one at home. You got Joe Burrow, confidence through the roof, the camaraderie with him, T. Higgins, and Jamar and, Chase. And, and that's why I'm interested to see where it goes because when Jamar Chase was out last year, T. Higgins showed, at least to me, he showed that he could be a number one. So they basically got two number ones out there. He, and, was, making, he was making some plays. I think they played a game against Atlanta. And it just was like, come on, everybody makes me. plays against Atlanta. Yeah, but you know, it still counts. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> even even in the in the AFC Championship game against Kansas City, like Joe Burrow threw one up. It was like cover two defense. It was like the safety came over corners underneath, and he high pointed the ball, then looked down, got both feet in the end zone touchdown. Just those kind of like those kind of plays, especially like these. I mean, just you think about a guy that big moving that fast, being able to to manipulate his body that way. But also, um, just like Baltimore, you know, I talked about against the run, against the pass. You know, Cincinnati was fifth against the run and 25th against the pass, you know, um, and that was with Bates and Bell. So that's why, like, it's hard for me to imagine, like, that, they, they they weren't the best at pass rushing last year. Maybe they picked that up this year. But, you know, I, I just think that Cincinnati, and I know this is going to sound dumb, and, of course, devoid of logic. But, you know, but, like, there comes a point where certain things go so one way for you in the NFL that it has to reverse as well. Like, you know, Cincinnati's just had a great past few years, you know, and with losing the talent that they've lost, you know, I think that, well, hopefully Burrow, whatever he's got going on doesn't linger, you know, so that's first and foremost. Hopefully that doesn't linger. But that's an example of something that they haven't had to deal with the last two years that they're dealing with right now, potentially. So the NFL just has that way. And as your schedule toughens, you're going to lose more games because you're playing a tougher schedule. You're playing yeah, – their, their schedule is a first-place schedule. But, but like you said, the, the, the divisions that they're matched the up against. two divisions that they're matched up right. against. And right. then their, their other – because they're already playing against Jacksonville as part of the AFC South, so they have a different number one team. They got Minnesota. You know, so you mm-hmm. got you got yeah, so Minnesota's one of your 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 number one team. Oh, Buffalo. You got the game against Buffalo. That could be tough. If Buffalo I think the the we'll get into this when we talk about the AFC East. I think the Buffalo falling apart, Stefan Diggs drama, I think is just 
stuff we talk about in August is because we got to talk about something besides. Yeah, what is it? Uh, standard teams. Rumors of their demise is greatly exaggerated. Yeah, exactly. So I think that'd be a tough game. It'll definitely be an emotional game. I don't know how guys are going to be able to focus considering the last time they matched up. It's at Buffalo, so at least the jersey colors will be different. It'll be, it'll be a different environment, stuff like that. Because I imagine if it was back in Cincinnati, they would probably wear different jerseys. You know, players are really superstitious. I know. So I still maybe, can't believe he's out there. Like, you know. <laughs> yo, he was out there before Mike Thomas. You know, this is wild. You know what I mean? Dude, like, I mean, was like deceased on a football field, and he came back in six months. So, like, anytime I'm thinking, like, I can't go to the gym, I'm like, yo, this dude was, like, literally – getting nine minutes of CPR and eight and AD. So like that, I mean, that's just, yeah, that's just this power of, of, of thought and just manifesting your, your future. If, I mean, if I ever seen it, so like that matchup is going to be tough, but for the most part, I think their schedule, I think their division schedule of those six games they have to play in division are the tough, tougher of the, you know, the tougher stretch and chunk of their season. But it's spread out, and they're used to it. They played, and then hell, they played Baltimore three times last year. Right. So you know, you just just building that up year after year after year. It, it's going to be a tough division. This is going to be one of those things where people argue that the top seven teams, no matter what division they should get in, like this would be like all four of these teams. People would look would vote them in. I think if Pittsburgh was even eight and nine, uh, this is the SEC argument. The SEC <laughs> argument, yeah, it'd be like Pittsburgh's eight and nine, and Pittsburgh's you know, eight and nine, but they would win your division. Jacksonville's <laughs> nine and eight, and they won the AFC South. It's like, yo, let's let's not let them in. Let's put Pittsburgh in instead. We think that'll travel better. Yeah, they're gonna be like, yo, put Cleveland in the NFC South. Well, I I would honestly. These rivalries are so in depth, but but that's the thing with the NFL, the worst for first. So the Colts could be a knockout team in a couple of years if they manage their personnel properly. So, you know, some of these bad teams like Arizona was good a couple of years ago. Last year they're starting quarterback, you know, towards ACL. Now they're projected to maybe get uh the, one of the top quarterbacks coming out next year that we'll talk about here in a few I minutes. I mean, look how close the Jets were to the playoffs last year with Zach Wilson and Mike. Not Knight. being able to hit a pass in the flats. It was blowing my – like, okay, NFL football field is 100 yards long. If you count the end zone, it's 120 yards. And it's like 52 and a half yards wide. So it is a, it is pretty far. So when he's standing in the middle of the field and he, got a, he has to throw like a little flat pass to Braxton Berrios or whatever – it is about 18 yards, 18, 20 yards. So that's still pretty far. But, like, you're an NFL quarterback. You should be able to hit these passes, you right. know, in the flat from the middle of the field. And it's like – because I've been to MetLife Stadium. It's a huge field. Like, it's 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 crazy how, like, a high school football field, a youth football field is the same size as an NFL. But it don't look like it. But it doesn't look like it at all. Until you, like, I had to jog out and get my son some water at practice last year. And I was like, man, that's far. <laughs> like I ran to the middle of the field, ran back. I'm like, oh, this is too. Well, that's why. That's why, I like, you know, I love watching like the um, the sports science stuff where like there was a play where Kyler Murray gained three yards, but he ran for like 76. Oh, the uh, for the two point conversion against uh, it was, the, it was the Raiders. Wild. Yeah, it was just wild. Like you know, like to think about it like that because like when you're there. You're just caught up in the moment, like just watching the oohs and ahs. You're not thinking about it. It said Patrick Mahomes in that Tampa Bay Super Bowl ran like 
three to four hundred yards behind a lot of yeah, center. trying to get away from Traveling. everybody. Yeah, like, that's chaos. But yeah. you know, so like yeah, you know, like I said the Jets were very very close to making the playoffs, and they bring in Aaron Rodgers, and they might be in the same position at the end of the year. So we'll talk about that too. So like that's that's the beauty of the NFL. That's the part, like I said, if you had a parlay where you picked all seven teams and all division winners in the playoffs, you probably hit you probably hit a good look because I mean, you lose your right tackle, and you got to bring in, you got to move the guard. Is just that alone? That alone, you lose it for a couple of games, and you went from being projected to be eleven and six. Now you're nine and eight. Now you're out of the playoffs. Yeah, and and that's where like you know where the NBA differs, you know, because like you don't see that that turnaround in that way. Like, you know, the NFL is literally a game of inches, you know, uh, with player movement and all that kind of stuff. Like one player can make a difference. Like I said about Roquan Smith, like Baltimore's defense was dead in the water until he showed up, you know, um, and got them part of the reason that they ended up you know where they were so you know it, it that's all it takes is one player to break out you know DJ, like like dj what one in ten without it one in ten without him it don't make no damn sense jimmy garoppolo won 70 the, the 49ers won 70 percent of the games that he started yeah him too yeah i mean it, it's like like i said once again well, I'm i mean not, alex like, smith had a great winning percentage yeah alex smith is like i'm not an advocate for like quarterback wins but just that well, that I think that some people third just have a third and three. You get three plays in your headset and your quarterback, and you know that oh, this this run won't work because I've seen on film this guy's coming down this way. We gotta check it this way, or we gotta check it to this pass, or I can't. We can't throw this ball here because this guy's gonna drop here. We gotta run it like something like knowing that like Nick Mullins when he was a backup to Jimmy Garoppolo. He might not have known that. He just knew, like, oh, this is a play. I got to make this throw, and it gets defended. And now well, you're punting versus first and ten. With well, Christian some McCaffrey people just have a presence. Some people just have a presence. So, like, you know, for example, and this only came to my mind because of that abomination that you got on your TV over there. But, uh, you know, no. so, like, Kyle Lorton is a better quarterback than Tim Tebow. You know, like, Kyle Lorton wasn't a bad quarterback. But Denver was one in five when he was starting, even though he was putting up 24 points or whatever, like the defense couldn't do anything. Tebow came in there scoring 10 points or scoring 13 points. And now all of a sudden they got the best defense in the league. You know, like, he went two for eight and just threw a deep. I don't know why they had Eric Decker out there matched up one on one when and he at that point. Tebow was one for seven passing the ball. This is in the fourth quarter, and he threw a touchdown pass to Eric Decker. Yeah, I think it was seven to three was the final or something like that. And Skip Bayless was like, all he does is win. And I was like, yo. And then Stephen A. Swift was like, yo, he went two for eight. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Like, can we talk about his pass percentage? Eight throws in a game. You know what I mean? So, so So that's where, like, I think that's where the mentality comes in because I think that if you have Aaron Rodgers on your team, for example, like you take it for granted because you're like, Hey, we can get him the ball back and he can go down there and get it for us. Like if we got Zach Wilson in here, 
bro, we can't allow nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like every third down they have is third and eight. You're out of you're out of position because you're trying to make instead of making the your play, you're trying to make the play. Like, no, make right. the play in front of you. You're trying to right. get turnover. You're stripping trying to strip the ball out. Um so so that's where Deshaun Watson is going to be interesting this year, you know, to bring it back to the AFC North. That's where Deshaun Watson is going to be interesting because if he's having an off game or like a stretch, like say the first two games, he starts off pretty slow. It's going to be interesting to see what Cleveland's defense looks like, you know, and then do a comparison whenever he gets it together and look at how their defense looks at that point. Like, I think there's something to this, you know, like you just just have to know. Look at the film from that. 11-game stretch that Skip Bayless talked about all the time with Baker Mayfield. When they went 8-3, and three, that, that is winning football for a power team, that, that gritty, downhill, in-your-face kind of team. Like, that works. You can, like, what, what Philly did with Jalen Hurts, because we keep a lot of our sports groups, because, you know, We'll, we'll like to verge off topic every once in a while. In our sports groups, a lot of people like to post Daniel Jones stats and Jalen Hurts stats. And it's like, yeah, there's they're close, but it's not the same. It was like Jalen Hurts. The same impact. Yeah. The the design of the Philly offense was throw, 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 overpower you with our offensive line. That's just better. And then when you come up and try to play the run, throw, throw, throw with our AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Pascal, you know, uh Quez Watkins, like this, these speed guys on the outside. Let's let's jump on top of you. Let's get our 24 points. So they were getting like, you know, 20, you know, 17, 20 points in the first half, and just basically ran the ball down your throat for the whole second half. So every almost every possession fulfilling the second half, they're like, all right, we'll get a touchdown here eventually. And they were winning games 27 to 20, and it looked like it was close. But it really wasn't that close because they were up essentially after the first second quarter. They were up double digits the whole game. They just well, see, and that's the problem, and that's the problem that we've been talking about: copycats. Like you know, you don't. There's not one way to win. You know, like for one, you're trying to do what Kansas City does without Kansas City's weapon personnel. You know, and 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 you know, so like Nick Chubb, you got this guy like that could be running for 1,500 yards a season, you know what I mean? But just trying to work Deshaun Watson in to throw 35 times or whatever just because you gave him all this money. Or, you know, like in Pittsburgh, like, you know, Pittsburgh is smash mouth in your face, but there may come a point where Kenny Pickett's going to throw it 35 times just to – because you just got to see if he can throw, I guess. I don't know. Not, not when Mike Tomlin is coach. You know what I mean? Or, like, you know what I mean? We'll see what we'll see what Green Bay does. That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested to see how, how Jordan – like, what Jordan Love's offense looks like. Because, They're going to throw it a lot. Because, you know, back when I used to play fantasy football, you know, like, you know, Aaron Jones is the most frustrating fantasy player out there. Because, or it ain't his fault, though, but he'll get you 18 points. And then next week he'll get you four because Aaron Rodgers – through every time they got into the red zone. So, like... I, I saw the NFC Championship game where San Francisco blocked the punt. Yeah. It said Aaron Rodgers... I don't know if he had 27 total passes, but of that... I think it was like... It said he had 27 passes. 21 went to Aaron Jones or Robert Tanya because 
somebody dropped the pass early. I think Lazard dropped the pass. And somebody was like, else dropped getting it no more. <laughs> and he just in the rest of the game, he just threw it to Aaron Jones and uh, Robert Tanyan in yeah. those games. So yeah, I think is is the Baltimore paying Lamar? Is that going to be? Oh, we paid you over two hundred fifty million dollars. We need two hundred fifty yards passing every game and two, three touchdowns every game like that is the standard we need you to win every game and in every game that you win we need you to have mvp caliber numbers because we paid you this money or is he is he gonna press is he gonna check out of the run play to throw it to prove that y'all pay me this money because i can do this right so it, it's, it's gonna be tough and like i said we're just speculating we have no i have no idea i've never talked to lamar jackson or anybody in his camp ever i don't know if, if that even gets to him at all i don't know if that would get to Jalen Hurts, because also he got paid. Right. Is Joe Burrow not getting paid? Is that going to affect it? You know, well, is you the... know, well, whatever happens with the Ravens this year, Todd Munkin is either going to be looked at as a hero, or he's going to be looked oh, at, yeah. at, you know, he's going to be looked at as get out of here. You know what I mean? So, but you Someone know, as... got to be a scapegoat. And the dude getting two hundred fifty-two million dollars is probably not going to be that guy. Correct. So, you know, we got college football coming up in two days, you know, like on the East Coast is about to be midnight. So more like a day. Yeah. Mike's, you know Mike I mean? is excited about this college football situation we got going on here. I love college football, man. He like, loves it. He loves it's, it. The, it's the pageantry, the rivalries. Like, so, 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 like, I'm growing coming, up. I'm coming on board as we, we have these conversations. So I'm more on board. So, like, Mike takes the lead a lot of these conversations. So, like, I just, I just run with him. So, well, you know, growing up, you know, like, uh, you had, See, I almost got stuck right there, but we had Redskins Cowboys. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're good. Redskins yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it was back was in the day. That's what they were called. That's what it was called. Yeah. You know, I got stuck for a second. You know, and then you know, you know, you had all these rivalries like that. You know, uh, 49ers Falcons was a rivalry back then. You know, Pittsburgh, like Pittsburgh Dallas was a rivalry for right. A like you know what I mean. And but then free agency came along, and these players would just move around so much. So you have To. Play for the Eagles and they play for Dallas, you know, back and backwards. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like it was just weird. All in the, the 80s and 90s rivalries, he played for all of them. Yeah. Neon. Right. So whereas like now, it, like when you're looking at college football for the most part growing up, it was like, hey, Texas, I hate Oklahoma. And you're always going to hate Oklahoma because the people hate each other or like, the fans have that animosity towards each other because it's representing my state. Or yeah, you know, well, Tuscaloosa was no, it was no blue or orange anywhere. It was anywhere, burning, like or crimson or whatever they call it. The entire yeah. city. Yeah, people. No Alabama fans that I know literally refer to Auburn as West Georgia. You know what I mean? Like, you, you ever know, see the video to do when he had the Alabama fan and he cut the cake and it was LSU colors at his birthday party? Yeah. Oh man, he beat the cake up. Well, like, you saw, you saw, uh, the, everywhere. you saw the dude that picked. I think he picked LSU, and his and his mom wanted him to go to Bama, and he, she got up and walked away. Like he pulled the hat out. She oh, that got was, up and uh, yeah, that was a uh, landing. Or he might have picked Florida, maybe. I, I can't remember. No, but yeah. a, kid, a guy picked Florida. That was another guy. She wanted him to leave Florida. I remember that mom. She wanted him to leave Florida because it was like. All of his knucklehead cousins or whatever. Right, right. But she wanted him to leave the state. 
then Landon Collins picked Alabama and his mom wanted him to go to LSU. And yeah. she even said it after he put the hat on. She was like, it's LSU all day. Like, he's sitting there with an Alabama and I'm like, mom. Yeah, like, and, but day. that's what college football does. <laughs> and that's why I love it. You got the bands, you know, just all this stuff. Because, like, it, when you look at the professionals, a lot of times you hear about, like, the contract stuff. Like, you know, it just, yeah, you know, like, back back then, college players were played for the love of the game, the the love of the university. Like, you know, like you said, if I'm if I'm from near Auburn, I'm coming to win the Iron Bowl and I hate Alabama. I don't want to see nothing crimson, so on. So forth. I can go one and eleven long as we win that robbery game. Like yeah. that's always been the consensus. As, as long as I live. As long as I live. They wanted to win the holy war. That was it. That was the BYU Utah. They wanted to win the holy war. As long as I live. If I, whatever I see green and orange, I try just a little bit because all I see in my head is wide right. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how it is. You know, that's just how it is. That you dude know? poisoned the trees over there. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, hey, Paul, I poisoned them trees. That's why I went down there and poisoned them trees. Harvey Updike. Harvey Updike going to call the damn show a snitch on itself. But, but you know, like, so college football is back, you know, like, as long as we live, you could talk about NIL. You could talk about the transfer portal. You could talk about how college sports is turning into professional sports. But Michigan and Ohio State is going to always mean something. Yep. That's just, and we're going to watch. We, Like I said, a lot of conversation is simply because the national championship was January. The Super Bowl was February. The NBA finals were June. And it's like, all right, we got to have something. So it's like, oh, NIL this, NIL that. But when the season starts, and the, especially with the new playoff format and then the conference realignments that we had, like I said, we, we did all we did our episode on that. And it's like, uh, at first I was like, this movement is ridiculous. But I'm like, you know what? It might not be bad to have, you know, Michigan and oh. Oklahoma or in the middle of the year. You know, it's like these kind of oh. games, like these, these games because – because right now, if you look in my screen, I got Florida, uh, the Florida documentary. Right, right. When they right. played Ohio State in the national championship game in 2006, Florida had been around for 100 years. Ohio State had been around for a little over 100 years. And that game they played in 2006 was the first time they had played each other. So think about that. So now we're yeah. getting all this conference realignment. We're going to get these matchups that we wouldn't normally see. Yeah. So. Like, uh, so, so real quick, uh, just cause you brought that up. Uh, I was listening to the locked on college basketball podcast yesterday and it didn't hit me until he said what he said, like the distance from Oregon to Rutgers is further than the distance from Key West to the very top of Maine, you know, and they're in the same conference. Like, it was just wild. Like, you know what I mean? Like, to think Probably about like 36, 37, you know, 3600 miles, something like that. Something like that, Probably. yeah, you know what I mean? But from but from their basketball arena to Rutgers' basketball arena, you know, is a bigger distance than the whole eastern seaboard. Yeah. It was just like... About a five-hour flight. Yeah, it was just crazy to think about, but you know, but yeah, here we are. College football is here. You know, we got some conference picks. You know, we're gonna give you our playoff teams before we get out of here. 
you know what I'm saying? So, like, I guess we'll start it off with the ACC, you know. So, what you got? ACC. Uh, so, we got the automatic bid, right? For the, well, well, no, no. This year is still the four teams. It's still the four. Still the four. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All yeah, this, next year is pre-alignment and everything else. Okay, so yeah, it's next year, four. yeah, next year is the twelve is the twelve team. This year is the last year of the final four. I mean, you would have to say Florida State, just because they seem to just be in a position to stockpile talent. Miami, for some reason, just can't seem to get it right, even though there's some crazy percentage of the NFL players are from Miami. Every year, it's a crazy percentage. But the school doesn't perform like all the guys in the league. You got Lamar Jackson, Antonio Brown from that, that area, Lando Brown, uh, I remember Devontae Freeman from down there. So it's like, the league was just full of guys from in and around Miami, but they soon do it. So I got Florida State. I can't – I don't predict them to, like, be in the playoff, you know, because it's just ACC. Just they, They're, they're going to mess up somewhere where they just lose a couple of games and they'll end up finishing their regular season 8-4, and four, but they'll be tops of the ACC. But like I mean, that's that's this is your realm. So like this, these are your guys that you love. You know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you picked them. I know you picked them to be LSU. I am. You know, so, I like, mean, hey, all I got is look. They went into New Orleans last year and pretty much dominated LSU until they took their foot off the gas, and LSU got a couple of scores late. There was a part of the game where Florida State literally, with a minute and a half left, was at the two yard line. They did a toss bubbled the toss and then LSU went down the field and then got the touchdown and Florida State blocked the extra point won the game. So you know like like yeah. So now the game is in Orlando, not in Tallahassee, which pisses me off. But you know, yeah they I think built uh, that stadium so they have to use it because they used to use it for Pro Bowls and so they built it right. in Vegas. Right. And Mason Smith, you know, from LSU, um he got injured last year. Um Florida State's offensive line was a big question mark last year. He got injured. Like, one of the first plays of the game, celebrate the sack, hurt his ACL, you know, and then missed the season. Was due back now for this game, and now he got suspended for this game because he signed autographs back in 2021 before NIL was a thing. So they suspended him, which is BS, you know. But, yeah, I think I think um, – I just don't trust Jaden Daniels. I know, like, LSU quarterback, I know a lot of people have a lot of expectations for him. He's talented, but he reminds me a lot of Jason Campbell, where you can see the talent and you have all these high hopes. But he always lets you down, you know, when you least need it. So I think Florida State wins that game. What I think happens is I think Florida State goes to Clemson on September 27th, and I think they lose that game. And then I think they went out from there and they beat Clemson in the ACC title game because this is the ACC's first year without divisions, so no more Atlantic, no more Coastal. And I think that's why they did this, so you could get more Florida State-Clemson title matchups since Miami can't uphold their end of the bargain. 
yeah. you know, uh, because because it was supposed to be the All Canes Conference. And since 2004 that they got in the conference, they've been in the conference title game once. You know what I mean? So, like, the idea yeah. was let's get Florida State. For, like, the recruiting pot that they can pull. From. Yeah, like, like the thought was let's get Florida State and Clemson in here. Or, I'm sorry, Florida State and Miami. That's your, you, we get a rematch for the ACC title game. But it just never happened. So, you know, so I think Florida State does knock off Clemson in the ACC title game in the rematch. Therefore, I do have FSU in my playoff. So then you got the SEC. You know the SEC champions getting in the playoff. So, you know, so who we got in the SEC? SEC with – you got LSU that they have that – like that up and down where – they had the Joe Burrow year, you know, back in the day they had the Matt Flynn years, and they, they have these years where they're just uber successful, and then it fades, coach changes, quarterback changes, and then it's just like they build up talent. Like I said, another the entire SEC just basically can just they don't even have to get in planes to recruit, they can just drive realistically, probably. 200 mile radius from where their campus is and pull four and five star talent to their school without leaving the state, without leaving the state of Louisiana, LSU could probably stack their team just with just Louisiana talent. But they, like I said, it always seems to be you, you're referencing Jay Daniels, like that, the quarterback plays, something doesn't go right and they end up losing the game. They should win, you know, Badly, like they'll lose a game 28 to 17 to like Ole Miss where they should have been better, but quarterback had three picks or a couple of fumbles or, you know, just, just, you know, ill-timed sacks, things like that. Yeah, sounds like the game against Tennessee last year. So do you have, you know, you got, you know, the monsters down south, you got Georgia starting a new quarterback. I uh, seen the guy they picked. He doesn't, you know, doesn't look like you know over assuming guy. You have Stetson Bennett, you know, going for three in a row. Eleven. Going for three in a row is tough. That's a lot of pressure. You know, you got the alumni, a lot of guys, basically the entire Philadelphia Eagles uh front seven. <laughs> they're all gonna be on the sideline for a lot of the big games. But I'm just gonna go with stability. Um, I know Alabama's breaking the new quarterback. I just figured if everybody's everyone has something going on. I'm gonna go with the guy that is the the front runner in that. All reliable, huh? All reliable. It's like listen, it's it's like a good Volvo. You just you, you can't go wrong. You can run through a brick wall with it. Nick Saban in Alabama. So if we look at their schedule, let me pull it up. Who we got? Alabama football. Middle Tennessee State. <laughs> yeah, and all, like listen. People talk about the Alabama schedule, but they uh they set it up deliberately to where they, they do, have, and they, they always, do it every year. They, they've been LSU year. always have a bye week before they play each other, and yeah, then and, the, and then they play the little punk ass school before they play Auburn. Yep. So, but I mean, Florida State's playing North Alabama before they play Florida, so it seems to be like the standard. So. The blueprint that Nick Saban put out there of you get some some preseason softball, early season non-conference games, or you you do the 
the game against Texas. You played Texas two, three years in a row. Because he did that with Colorado a few years back. And I remember that a commentator was talking about how, you know, Nick Saban just knows how to schedule teams. And when he scheduled them, Colorado was like a five and seven team the year that they decided to have this home away or like this 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 kind of series where they're going to play a couple of games. It was like they were five and seven when he signed it. They just were 11 and one the year before. Like a, they had like a 10 or 11 wins the year before. Like they had to play Alabama. So when they played Alabama, they was like, oh, they were so good last year. And Alabama obviously crushed them. That's what they do. But I just, I just think that you have a lot of proteges of Nick Saban in that, uh, in the SEC. I think they, they get into their heads sometimes. You know, Curry Smart was like the guy got the best of them, but for the most part, they don't because they either do something they shouldn't do, fourth and three at the 50, you should just punt it, you go for it. Trick plays, you don't need a fake punt, you don't need. Uh, you yank a quarterback too early because you're pressing because you feel like we're one play away. And Nick Nick just stays. I mean, he looks like chaotic when he's screaming at the defense. Yeah, Memphis Week never did field. get that hit. And it's unfortunate. Like, it's just everybody's disciples and protégés, you know, they don't come back home and, and, you know, and beat and beat the leader. So I got Alabama. They're going to slip up somewhere, you know, maybe the game against LSU in November. But ultimately, if they have one loss, they're going to win, as you know, be an SEC championship game and then. They'll get into the college football playoff just like every every year that they're available to go. Realistically, you know, like even a year they didn't even win their they didn't play for the SEC championship. <laughs> they got in, and then Nick Saban went up there and said, "There's nothing saying you got to play for the your conference championship." And no one in the like none of the reporters are like, "Yo, how you gonna be a national champion if you're not your own conference champion?" Like that that should have been implied, but right. it wasn't written. He was like, "Nowhere it says you have to and win it's your still conference not championship." Written. Because they wanted that to happen. They need, like, that was the first one. That was the first college football playoff. It's like, you can't have an 11 and 1 Alabama not in it, especially so, with the whole new format that they had. So I got Bama losing twice and potentially a third time. You know, um, I think Texas gets them. You know, I know last year was one of those games. It came down to the wire, Bryce Young with the heroics late. Bryce Young ain't there no more. Uh, B. John Robinson also isn't there either for the Texas standpoint, but they still got Quinn Ewers. You know, they still they have Xavier Worthy. Over there. Yeah, they got him standing over there. They got Xavier Worthy on the outside. I like C.J. Baxter out of the backfield to replace B. John. Um, and Bama just, like I said, like even when I look at who their quarterback is going to be, even I don't care who they pick. I don't think it's a good quarterback. You know, uh, now Bama's going to probably rededicate themselves to the run this year, which is what made them successful back in the earlier part of the 2000s when they were winning national titles. But I got them losing there. I got them losing to LSU. Um, so you got Florida State beating LSU. Yes. Yeah, Alabama losing at home. And so. even crazier, I got LSU winning the SEC. You know, I got LSU beating Georgia in the SEC title game. You know, uh, it That's is a hard, hard pick. pick. It is a hard pick. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? But hey, so this is the, this is my thinking behind it. So when I look at LSU, they're super talented. 
you know, Malik Neighbors could be the best receiver in college football. Jaden Daniels is probably a top 10 quarterback in college football at his best, but I just don't think he's at his best consistently enough. Um, I think their defense will be better, and they have a great coach now. So, you know, Brian Kelly coming in from Notre Dame last year, year one, got him to the SEC title game. You know, I think, I think they played Bama late enough that Bama could have their quarterback issues figured out by then. Because that's the tough part of the pick is that Bama, I'm essentially saying that Bama's going to lose at home twice. You know, that's the problem within itself. You yeah. know, but I just think that they play Texas early enough to where the quarterback issues won't be figured out just yet. Um, I think LSU is just better. As far as Georgia goes, um, I got them losing at Tennessee. You know, that should be their only regular season loss on my books. And then they'll lose to LSU in the championship game. So they won't be playoff eligible in my bracket. So I got LSU and Florida State in the playoffs so far. All right. I'll drop these down for you. <clears throat> yeah, LSU, Florida State. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee got to the SEC title game. I just I just don't know because they lost Hendon Hooker. You know, Joe Milton has experience. He's got the arm, but I don't know if he has the brain. And I don't mean that negatively. Like, he's dumb. I just mean... I don't know about his, has his he IQ. Seen enough, has he seen enough football to know? Because his arm is ridiculous. I saw him. That's what I'm saying. He threw like it. an 80-yard pass at the Manny camp. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And they also add A&M to their schedule this year, who they don't normally play. That's going to be a tough game. Bama also goes to A&M this year. And if we look at the last two years, last time they went to College Station, AM pulled off the victory. And then last year in Tuscaloosa, we talked about how Jimbo may or may not screamed have up, screamed out the player's the name. name. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and guess who started that game at quarterback last year? It wasn't Bryce Young. It was one of the guys that might be starting this year. You know, so we'll just see. You know, I think Tennessee has the matchup problems for Alabama. The only problem is the non-logical way of looking at things is that you don't want Bama looking for revenge against you, you know. At so home. that yeah, so that's where LSU could get into trouble is Alabama last year as well. At home is it's wild. Like, I mean, you're prognosticating and we'll we'll keep this, we'll mark this yeah you know, as our eight twenty four podcast. <laughs> I don't I don't think I can't recall without doing any research. I can't recall that happening and a while under Nick Saban. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it's been a long time. Yeah, I'm like sure it's been a long time. back in, like, the John David Wilson days. But as, or like, but as, jo- like but as Josh – but just as Josh, Josh Pate says, just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it can't happen. Yeah, that's, that's normal in regular worlds. This is college football world, and there's some constants, and – SEC, for whatever reason, is a constant. They're probably going to have two teams in, I imagine. So Yeah, we'll see. You know, and then you got the Big Ten. You know, I got Michigan over Wisconsin. But, like, the interesting thing about the Big Ten to me this year, because last year we got Ohio State and Michigan in. 
So what's interesting to me this year is that if, because, you know, Ohio State has quarterback questions, but obviously they're still uber talented. Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, um, Penn State has Drew Alar coming in and everybody's on the hype train about him. And I was just envisioning this scenario because I just like chaos. But this could be the year where all three beat each other. Like Michigan, Michigan, Ohio, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, like they all have a win against each other and finish eleven and one. Yeah, that would be. Uh, I think there'll be some 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 mystery flags in somebody's game to ensure somebody ended up ten and two. Yeah, but I got but I got Michigan uh, beating Ohio State again. You know, um, I got Wisconsin. Even with the coach turmoil, there's no turmoil. There's no with, turmoil. With Michigan? There's no turmoil. He's suspended for the first three games of the season when they're playing Bowling Green, UNLV, and East Carolina. Like, there's no turmoil. He'll be back, you know. And if you look at the rest of their schedule, they get Rutgers after that, Nebraska after that, Minnesota after that. So, like, Michigan's probably not even going to be challenged for the first seven or eight weeks of the season. So you don't think somebody can pull? Well, yeah, I guess so. That no, is, I don't. Know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless you, unless we're going to go, Matt Rule is a good coach and he's going to pull the upset or maybe Minnesota for the little brown jug. But no, I don't think so. Uh, Ohio State also travels to Notre Dame this season. You know, out of conference, that's not Big Ten related, but, you know, but they could lose that game. Um, you know, they go to Wisconsin. Like I said, I got Wisconsin winning that game. You know, they got Wisconsin State coming Wisconsin in. Wisconsin score enough points, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, I know they're traditionally a running offense, very powerful school. Like I said, if I'm getting an offensive guard in the draft, yes. I'm going to look and I'm going to look down there, there through the avenue and see what they yes, have. Yes, they did because they brought in Tanner Mordecai from SMU through for the nine touchdowns against Houston last year. They uh, brought in Drake May's offensive coordinator this year. So, yeah, but did they bring know. in Texas wide receiver talent to Wisconsin? Because they're not known for speed. <laughs> so you can throw nine touchdowns if you're throwing it to Jakari Smith hey, hey, they had, and uh, Devondre Jones and names like that. But if you're throwing it to, you know. Hey, they had Al Toon's son. Tyler, Tyler Connor. <laughs> like, you're, you're not really going to get. Did you get a lot of tight end routes? And he might you know, be like an accurate quarterback. But I think Wisconsin. You have big play. You have big. Play. You need big. You need the big play. You need the guy that's. You gonna, do. That's gonna beat the cover four or whatever they play in hey, college. All I'm gonna say is, I don't seen Ohio State with uh, Braxton Miller, Terrell Pryor, Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. You know, uh, and you know people like that. And I've seen them lose to Purdue, Iowa, and not just lose, but get smacked. I saw them lose to Purdue by 29 points. I saw them lose to Iowa by 31 points. Don't put anything past Ohio State. The year they had Zeke Elliott, they still lost to Michigan State at home. So, you know, like Ohio State's known for this. Just for one gaff of a game. Yeah, one gaff of a game. I just think that Michigan has their number. I just think that Michigan lines up and says i'm going to bring you their, in your they're face bringing a quarterback back and they're bringing a yeah. the quarterback back and, and they're running back i think i'm not i'm gonna say 
I know the Alabama Auburn rivalry is is huge, and, and SEC fans are probably going to kill me. But I think the Michigan Ohio State rivalry of the last like ten years, fifteen years, has been better because what well, well, since Harbaugh got there, really, and even a little bit before, because I think Michigan would just kind of get up for that game. Just Ohio State just had a stockpile on the talent. Well, you know, at one point in the 90s, uh, Ohio State had John Cooper as their head coach, who would go 11-1, and one, sometimes 10-2. and two. That loss was to Michigan. He's out of there. You know what I mean? And then Harbaugh yeah. couldn't beat Ohio State. You know, where Ohio State went on like an – like I think it was a 13, 11 or 13 game winning streak against Michigan recently until two years ago. And now Michigan just smacks them in the face and say, you going to like it. Yeah, and I, I think th- those teams have just been – they've been just just so good nationally that it makes the rivalry better, whereas Alabama and Georgia, not your typical rivalry. They don't play on a rivalry week. You have – that's the Iron Bowl. Like, they, their game doesn't have a cool, you know, moniker to it. So I just think Auburn has kind of not been able to keep their end of the rivalry bargain. So it's, it's starting to be like very one-sided. You kind of expect, right. I mean, they're still tough games because they're tough games, but the Michigan Ohio state games have been college football playoff impacting for like the last five or six years. And now with Michigan actually getting a couple and then getting into the college football playoff, I think it's given, it's given a big 10, like a little jolt. And they obviously going to add in the, every other available team, <laughs> Right. To the Big Ten or the Big Twelve next year, so I, th- I think this is a good precursor. This is the year that if you if you want to lock in a spot, this is the year to do it because it's going to be a lot of talented football players that are going to play in your conference starting twenty twenty four. So this right. is the year that. But it, like I said, it's not a good to me that the turmoil has come from the fact that the coach is getting suspended and he's not going to be there, and. Does that have an impact? Does the fact that they have the talent advantage over these teams, are they going to go with just, you know what? We're going to go with what we have. We're big up front. We have the best running back tandem in the country. And we have a quarterback that's probably NFL ready or, you know, on, on the verge of being NFL ready. Do we just rely on the run game? Don't make any mistakes. And then Jim Harbaugh comes back when they play Rutgers. Or do they go out there and, and lay an egg against? I'm granted playing against UNLV. I doubt that they'll they'll have a slip up, but do they have it to where it's not it's not fluid? You know, right. they're winning thirty to thirty to ten or thirty to seventeen, but they're getting that thirtieth point on like a scoop and score at the end of you know six seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Like it's right. it's within it's within you know a possession, and they just happen to make a play, and they just keep happening to make plays versus inserting certain their dominance from the No, beginning. I think you just give the ball to Blake Corum and say, go win the Heisman. I mean, if if I'm the coach, if I'm the interim coach for Jim Harbaugh and he's giving me that talent across the board, that's all I'm doing. I'm not yeah. I'm not trying to implement any of my own ideas <laughs> I had, any routes. Like now listen, we're gonna do we're going to do the same thing he did in San Francisco. The reason Mike Singletary can't get a job now because he took Mike Singletary's players to the Super Bowl. No one's even interviewed Mike Singletary since Can't Evan coach Irvin. with him. Can't, can't win play with him. him. Can't win with him. So uh, Writing diss tracks about his tight end. But, so so, so you got one of the big 10. 
I'm gonna say Michigan because they're bringing. I know Ohio State's gonna have a talented quarterback, but the Michigan quarterback has already beaten Ohio State a couple times. Been in the college football playoff. He's he's he has the experience. Even in that that short, you know, you got three to four years that you're playing. He has two already locked in. Yeah, you know, two good years over whoever is coming in to replace C.J. Stroud, who was a a a properly aligned field goal away from being a national championship game. That's a lot of pressure because that's what fans are thinking. Like, yo, if our field goal kicker would have kicked it through the uprights, we would have been a national championship game last year. Right. They would have beaten TCU. They would have beat the breaks off TCU just like Georgia did. So (laughs) I think there's going to be a lot of pressure from the 107, 108,000 people that come to the the horseshoe. So, yeah, I, I think the pressure for the new quarterback coming in for Ohio State, it's going to be a game where he just throws, he just throws it away. A couple of pick sixes or something like that, just because he's going to be younger. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then we go over to the Big 12. You know, uh, this one was tough for me, you know, um, as I was playing with my playoff predictor. I wanted to pick Kansas State, but as I went through the schedule, I got Texas over Kansas State. You know, um, in the in the Big Twelve Championship game, I got Texas losing to uh, Oklahoma, and you know they put that forty nine nothing on them last year. So I think OU is going to come out this year looking for blood. And then uh, I, I got to get to that game. You know, Dallas at the State Fair. I just got to get to that game. Uh, but yeah, I got I got Texas losing to Oklahoma, and I got Texas picking up another loss somewhere along the line. Either. To Kansas State or to Texas Tech, um, I haven't made up my mind on which one, but one of those two. Whereas Kansas State, I think people are forgetting that Kansas State won the Big Twelve last year. The same way they forget that Utah is the two-time reigning, defending Pac-12 champion. You know, they just don't have that cachet, so people don't want to see them there. So therefore, they don't try to put them there. But don't sleep on TCU because. Not that they're going to do what they did last year, but their quarterback, Chandler Morris, actually beat out Max Dugan last year. He just got injured. So Max Dugan was able to step in because he was the previous quarterback anyway. So uh, beware of frogs. Uh, Texas Tech looks like they're the media pick, like they're the sexy Cinderella that everybody's trying to pick this year for some reason. You know, uh, but yeah, I got Texas over Kansas State. Interesting, interesting. Which is scary, though, because Sark has never won more than nine games in a season. See, I was a Atlanta Falcons fan. Steve Sarkeesian was the offensive coordinator. He was awful. (laughs) We used to live in Utah. He was there. I just don't know how he keeps getting jobs. Well, he went to the Nick Saban... School of rehabilitating coaches like Lane Kiffin. You know, he keeps you on the sideline for a year or two and you win a national title or, you know. And and then you win a job. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I think the – I like Quinn. I think think he's a – I think his teammates like him. I've seen a lot of, like, little video clips. I like the way he plays. I think he's a big quarterback. I personally think he should have just gone to Texas from the jump. He should have never even wasted his time going to Ohio State. Because it was Justin Fields and then C.J. Stroud, 
and then some other four or five star guys, and then him. It's like, why are you in this quarterback room? Like you're not eating <laughs> out TJ Stroud next year. Like soon as soon as you soon as you got off the plane for the visit, you should have been like, Yeah, I'm gonna finish out high school and I'm gonna go to Texas. But he because he like he left early to go to Ohio yeah. State. And then you got Arch Manning. And I've seen some of the the Newman. I know Newman is where Odell Beckham went to school, but I'm not sure what level that is. Because I've seen some plays where it's like Arch is barely moving and no one was tackling him. Like the <laughs> safety wasn't coming downhill. One play, the safety looked bow legged, like he was just running down the goal line. He wasn't coming down the angle to make the tackle. So I'm not sure if the competition that we were seeing of these highlights of Arch Manning, I'm not sure how good his high school competition was. But I do know that while you're sitting there as a quarterback and you're not, maybe you have a bad game or two having a Manning sitting behind you. It doesn't really bode well for your future, especially when you have a coach like Sarkeesian who he's not known. Like you say, he hasn't doesn't have 10 wins. You know, he doesn't have nine wins and he's like I said, I'm not saying he flamed out everywhere he's went, but he, he hasn't been really like successful. He hasn't really left the mark of success. In well, he was good in the Pac-12, but then the, he had the problems. He know? had the, those problems at BYU. You know, he 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 had his like alcoholism problems at BYU right. because I think that's part of the reason why he was at a uh, like a an event, like a team event, and he was obviously inebriated, like giving a speech. Yeah. So, like I said, like I'm not saying you shouldn't get a second chance or a third chance, whatever, whatever mean you get, but I do reserve the right to be like. I don't know how you keep getting them because it doesn't, you don't seem to be successful after you get this chance. Right. In Atlanta. And I was like, this isn't working. And then they got rid of him, brought in Kyle Shanahan. And then Matt Ryan was an MVP. So obviously that same core players, a better coach, i.e. Jim Harbaugh taking Mike Singletary's players to the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan taking Matt Ryan to MVP in two seasons, you know? So I'm just not a big, big fan of the coach. But the Big 12 is kind of like someone's got to win it. And I think it's going to be a team that gets hot, not necessarily a team that we pick preseason. All right. So, like so. Your, your Kansas State pick might be more accurate because, like, Kansas had a good run last year until their quarterback got hurt. You know, so it just, I just think that. There, there are no really. It's not an established dominant team in the conference. That whatever team has the most seasoned quarterback or the most seasoned playmakers could go on a run, and that's what TCU was last year with Max Dugan, and the guy was a uh, the the what, number one that got drafted, the quarterback, uh, Quentin Johnson. Quentin Johnson. So, like, yeah. you have, you know, you have seasoned quarterback. Big play wide receiver. And then they had uh Kendry Kendra Miller too, you know, the running back. Yeah, so the and that's the thing. So I think your Kansas State pick might be the pick. It, it just it's with the Big 12 is gonna be an off pick. Right. It's not your standard, you know, SEC is gonna be LSU, Georgia, Alabama. You think every you think, year. You think uh if Oklahoma State wins the Big 12, you think Mike Gundy's gonna jump up there and I'm a man, I'm 50. I hope he doesn't do that, but it would be kind of a good soundbite. Yeah, this is the last Bedlam game, so at the very least, you know, beat Oklahoma. 
you know, uh, but yeah, so then to close off the power five, you know, we got uh, the Pac 12, which is always the tough conference because they beat up on each other, they beat up on each other, and then Utah pulls off a victory in the Pac 12 championship game, and they go get beat by a big the 10 big 10 team. team. <laughs> In the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, it's weird to me that they still play it there because it's not a big stadium. Like I went there once for a fireworks show. You could, they could probably. I mean, I guess now with the Pac-12 popularity kind of like diminishing, essentially as their conference diminishing, but they probably could sell out a bigger stadium. They probably could play it at an NFL stadium. They, I think, I'm glad they stuck to that tradition, but it's not a very big stadium. I'm not sure the capacity is probably close to like fifty or sixty thousand. Well, yeah, but, and, and sadly enough, during the regular season, the powder blue bears, as I like to call UCLA, don't even fill it up. Yeah, they don't. And I was there for like a fireworks show. It was pretty dope. But I, I remember the, the seats, I think they were bleachers. Maybe they were seats. I can't remember. But I, I knew it was, it was nothing really like, it just looked like a big high school stadium. You know, it was like nothing special. Like maybe some monitors, you know, like big end zone monitors, something like that. But it was like nothing real special about it. But it's the Rose Bowl. Utah is going to win it. Caleb Williams being potentially another, you know, obviously the front runner, front runner for the Heisman, front runner being number one pick. Uh, Bo Nixon, Oregon, front runner. You know, one of the guys going to be a top five pick potentially. Depends on how he plays this year. He could get that. Will Levis treatment, where it's like he's his stock is so high that it's gonna be wagers on who's gonna go number one overall. Because right now, all the betting odds, Vegas guys have Caleb Williams going number one, and we have him going number one to Arizona as Kyler Murray's dealt to Tampa Bay. Like that's our prediction that we've came up with this week. So I would I would say just USC. Just think I think they have they have them like they have the talented quarterback. Um, Lincoln Riley has to figure it out because really all they have to do is just run the ball a little bit more with running backs instead of letting Caleb Williams hobble his way through the championship game and able to beat Utah. But they just kept throwing it, and he was throwing it on the bad leg, so it was just it was a little slower. The velocity wasn't there, so the safety just kept picking it off or getting there to breaking the pass up. Well, last season there were 131 FCS team or FBS teams because. This year, we're adding Sam Houston State and and Jacksonville State to CUSA. But with that being said, out of those 131 schools, USC had a couple of 120s in some defensive categories. So, you know, same thing. You know, if they could just be top 70 in defense, they could win the national title probably. But – uh So I think USC, you know, the problem with USC for me is that I looked at their schedule, (laughs) you know, said, I don't like the bye week after week three, you know, um, I don't like the Notre Dame, Utah back to back. I don't like the Washington, Oregon back to back. I just think you got like a lot and and then close that off with UCLA and the rivalry game. So I think UCLA is going to be a little bit better than they're being projected as. Um, I think that Caleb Williams is good enough to get USC to 11-1 and 
into the Pac-12 title game. I just don't like the schedule. So I have Washington winning the Pac-12. You know, I think their schedule sets up just a little bit better. And therefore, they're my last playoff team. So I got Michigan, Washington, Florida State, and LSU as my four-team playoff. So you got the Big 12 not getting their team in, but the Pac-12 gets their team in. Yes. I just think the mind, they got to travel. Well, I just think that the Big 12, I think the Big 12 has the same issue as the Pac-12, that they just cannibalize each other. But I just think that this year in particular, like the Pac-12 is just top heavy. Utah, Oregon, Washington, USC. You know, I think one of those four is or all four of them are so as good as Washington's Texas. matchup in the Pac-12 championship game. You haven't played USC in the championship game. No, I got uh, Washington and Oregon State in the you know, in a in a title game. I got Oregon State upsetting Washington in the regular season, and then Washington winning the rematch. Uh, you know uh, where that could blow up in my face is if that does. Happen. Here writing, you're writing fairy tales because you, know you had LSU playing Florida State. Florida State beating LSU early, then you had a rematch potentially in the Cosmo playoff. So then you got Oregon State beating Washington early in the year, then they're getting their revenge rematch. You have like a what, 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 apply to like. Well, even when it goes, a lot of these conferences are going to have rematches. You know what I mean? Like, because the Pac-12 is divisionless now. Yeah. So, yeah, like, you know, uh, the ACC is divisionless this year. Uh, Big 12 is divisionless this year. So, like, you have that possibility unless somebody like UCF, you know, shocks the world or, you know, which ain't going to happen. Or, you know what I mean, if, like, I don't know, like, Coach Prime, you know, wins the Pac-12. So you got – so Oregon State, who you have them losing to Washington, that's their first loss in the Pac-12 championship game. No, no, no. Okay, I have okay, them, okay. No, I have them losing during the regular season as well. I just think that they're still going to have enough that they can get through. Like – uh like they could still, I think they could lose two games and still make the Pac-12 title game. Oh, it's, it's, it's just it's just going to get into the tiebreakers and everything. I got Washington having that one loss, you know. But but like so, for example, I got the USC. Just, yeah, I got USC losing at Oregon, you know, and to Washington. You know, I got Utah losing to USC. And to Washington, you know, I got Oregon losing to Oregon State and to Utah. So it's just a matter of how the schedule sets up and the, how the losses pile up. The the thing with the Pac-12 and just you no know, being a Utah fan, they it's like they I don't say disappoint you because you know you, you play you win you win or you lose. But Utah's going to start off the year at Florida or at home against Florida. Yeah, yeah. At home against Florida. Yeah. That's next week. Yep. And then I don't like their game after that. 
then they have Baylor, and then Weber State. I would have rather had Weber State than Baylor. Right. And then get into your Pac-12 schedule. Right. That's what Alabama would have did. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you just got to follow the blueprint. But if you, you look at it like this, you beat Florida at home, you ride that momentum down to Waco, you play Baylor. Big 12, not – known for being defensive juggernauts right Utah, utah recruits a lot of junior college players and transfers so a lot of their first year division one players are 21 year old transfer students you know granted they've been in some small juco in cali or kansas or texas or something like that they recruit cali well so a lot of their players are older not many do missions like you know the mormon mission where you know i think you're age 19 you do two years abroad or even locally where you spread the the word of you know mormonism a lot of those players end up at byu so that's why byu's team a lot of their quarterbacks are 22 23 24 and they're seeing you know that and they're still playing still eligible right. so they, you know they get that two years at like age 19 so it depends on you know when your birthday lands you can miss a couple of seasons of college football come back and play so utah has a few guys like that we're just older but a lot of a lot of them are just guys from juco they have snow college down in, in southern utah a lot of guys transfer up from there so they have a good juco pipeline so when they match up with Texas, who just is flooded. Any team that's in Texas, you know, you're just getting flooded with high school talent. So you're going to 19-year-old starters playing against 22-year-old guys who've taken the the tough route, the, the the Juco route, the gritty route, like Cam Rising. That hit, you probably seen a highlight, the hit where his helmet came off. He didn't leave that game. It was yeah. a legal hit. He got hit in the chest. He put his helmet back on and kept playing. It's like, yo, like this concussion protocol, we're not doing any of that. So I think Utah just has – has a good chance. Yeah. But, oh, by the way, we don't know yet if Cam Rising is playing against Florida. And they better they better figure it out. Better figure it out soon because well, Florida's bringing a new quarterback, and and like I said, they're another team that just for some reason gets a lot of NFL players. Draft they get a lot of players drafted off their team, but if you look at their record, they're seven and five. Eight and four, um, but they, they'll have a, a good win here. They'll play Alabama tough. They'll play Tennessee tough, but then you know they'll beat Kentucky, Vanderbilt, things like that. But they'll win by like a touchdown. So recently, like just the like the Florida dominance that you would expect, it's not really translating. And like I said, they're bringing in a new quarterback. Right. So Utah, two-time winning, defending champ, but they were two and three losses in their way into the championship game. They just won the championship game. Right, but they're used to being. I went to the they when they played Washington in the Pac-12 championship game in 2018. Like I went to that game, so 2018, 2021, 2022. It's just something about the way Utah football plays out that they just end up in this championship game and they end up doing well. So I'm not going to count them out until no, not at all. No, yeah. So, like I said, I, I just think I just think the, the 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 championship pedigree of that particular team. I like the talent of USC, and I like the pedigree of Utah. I know it's kind of chalk to go with a rematch, but I just don't trust that Oregon State or Washington. I know Washington has a the quarterback, the left-handed guy Penix, and maybe you know maybe you know he's a solid playmaker. But I just 
just over just the recent history. I just I just don't really see like what these other teams are going to be able to do to take over right the pedigree of Utah and then the talent and the 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 coach coach quarterback marriage in USC. I just I just feel like that gives you like a bit of a notch. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's why we love college football. You know, like you know, because these are the questions that are going to get answered. You know, these are the on questions the on the field. You know, and, and we can hate we can hate the way the playoff and everything shakes out, but that year the Appalachian State went into the big house and beat Michigan. I don't know. I can I unless you play for Appalachian State, and even then they probably had sixty five dudes on the sideline. And they were FCS at the time. All sixty-five dudes could, didn't believe they could win. They were like, FCS. They were FCS at the time, and Michigan was number five in the country. Number five in the country. They blocked two kicks, and they scored a lot of points. It wasn't like it was like seventeen or fourteen. I think it yeah. was somewhere like thirty to twenty, like thirty to to twenty-eight. It was something. It was something substantial to where like. They were killing Michigan with their jet sweeps and just they were just they were moving a quarterback. Yeah, I want to say there. that was Armani Edwards. And he ended up playing yeah, for the Armani, Panthers. Yeah, yeah wide receiver Armani Edwards. Yeah, yeah. He he, well, he was the quarterback. Receiver. He was a quarterback. Yeah, he ended up playing yeah, wide receiver yeah. in uh in Carolina. Yeah, and then uh, but then you also like, you know, that's what they do. You know, Appalachia State went into College Station and beat A and M last year. Just, it just. We can, so, you know, we can we can talk about this and we can make our guesses and we can write yeah. these notes and some quarterback gets his foot stepped on and he's in the locker room for the whole second quarter. Yeah. And the backup throws so, two pick sixes. So and, before we get out of here, that's another one. You know, Drake May, watch out, week two, Appalachian State. Two years ago, they went down there and the final score was 61 to 59. <laughs> And that was your boy Sam Howell. So you know what I mean? Like, hey, like Appalachia State is not scared. They're never scared, you know, sad. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you uh, once again for all the support, the likes, the views, all that good stuff like that. We appreciate you. You know, like, review, subscribe. It's all free. I am 2-5. He is Mr. Logical. See you next week. We got one. We got one division left, the AFC East. And then before we blink, y'all, we're gonna be doing NBA previews. Whew. Love this time of year. You Some debates. Love this time of year. You know, so just to recap, you know. Oh, this the logical before we get out of here. I can't let you get out of here. You ain't give us your four playoff teams. I'm gonna hold out. Oh, he gonna hold, hold out. out. Hold out for a little bit. You know, I want to, I want to get a little bit more information because right now I would just be like, just I'd blindly be throwing it. I'd be yeah. blind, blindly guessing. I want to get, I want to get a little more. But you know what? You know, we we said it tonight. You know, saying I got Baltimore, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. Just the logical. I got Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Sorry, Mike Tomlin. You hear this? The you hear this? America. I think just the quarterback play. This just, man is walling out. Yo, I hope Kenny Pickett proves me wrong because they've been trying to put Mike Tomlin on a hot seat for years. And he's like, mad. You hear the way he's talking right now? He must have been hanging out with Sarkeesian. 
listen, I love Pittsburgh. I'm gonna go there. Look, great city. Great city, For great sure. casino. With the pizza sauce on top of the pizza. I don't know about all that. The beer was good though. You know what I'm saying? All right, so y'all. Pretty. We'll see you on Monday. Peace. Peace.